0: Whenever I hear somebody say I'm burned out, I challenge them to say, okay, do you want to continue to feel that way? There a different way you'd like to feel. And if you can get people thinking about how they want to feel, that's what I had to do for myself was thinking about how do I want to feel? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And how do I want to feel? And once I got my feelings in check, it was a lot easier to not feel burned out because who wants to feel that way?
1: That's the voice of my friend, colleague, and competitor, John Wasserman. John was on top of the Vector Cutco world as a record-setting sales manager, but then he experienced a period of struggle, much like most of us do at some point. John came out the other side feeling more energized than ever before, and now he's an uplifting force for everyone he meets, and everywhere he goes, he strives to leave it better. Enjoy John's story and lessons here today. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome everyone. Uh, we're here today with John Wasserman. John is the current division manager for Cut Capone Vector Marketing in the Powerhouse Division, headquartered eastern Pennsylvania and Southern New Jersey. His office is located just near Philadelphia. Uh, John's been in the Vector Cutco business since 1991, and he has been one of the most prolific developers of people in the business. He's created champions at every level in the business. He's been a champion himself. Career sales, Career Cutco sales in excess of $88 million. And last year in 2018, uh, his office was the number one office in the Northeast region and set an all-time region record. So John had his greatest year in his office in his 25th year of running an office. John's also the author of two books, No Shorts, Flip Flops, or Sunglasses, How to Get and Make the Most Out of Your First Real Job. And he's also the author of Deciding to Thrive, Lessons Learned in My Search for the Meaning of Success and How to Sustain It. I'm really excited to have John as a guest today. He's been a colleague and friend of mine for many years, competitor for many years, and I know you'll get a lot out of this interview. John, thanks so much for making some time.
0: Thanks for having me on, Dan. I really appreciate it. Really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got started with uh, Cutco and Vector. It was back in December of 1991. and uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, how that unfolded.
0: Yeah, I started on my, my winter break from college. Uh, I really thought this was gonna be a three week gig for me. That was 27 years ago, I just never left. I did finish college, but uh, I was able to do Cutco part-time around college, uh, full-time on my breaks. When I started uh, on my winter break, I was staying with my mom in her two bedroom apartment. She had one bedroom, my sister had the other bedroom, which meant I was on the couch. And uh, so, it was an interesting you know, kind of dynamic in, in trying to get this started and sleeping on my mom's couch. But I worked hard over my break, uh, worked hard throughout the semester. I quit a job at school that my dad had helped line up for me in, in the university law enforcement department to do this. He thought I was a little nuts when I uh, told him I was gonna do this instead. But uh, I made mean, enough money over my first semester uh, that I was able to you know, live on my own and, and continue working with the company got promoted to assistant manager that summer and just stuck it out and they kept promoting me and I kept moving up the line. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And this is while going to college, you went to Lockhaven University, graduated there with a okay. degree in management science. What have been some of your more transformational uh, experiences or most important experiences uh, during your Cutco Vector path?
0: Well, I would say, so in our company, we have a silver cup, which is the highest award you could win. And so winning a silver cup was, was an exciting, Time and vector for me, but what has since surpassed that many times over are the people that I've helped win silver cups yeah I mean it was cool it's cool to be a winner, but when you're like coaching people, mentoring people, and then they're going out they're achieving success, they're winning the company's most elite awards. That is probably the most rewarding experience that I've had with the company.
1: Yeah, I think that concept resonates with a lot of people, a lot of people that i 've talked to. Have commented that, you know, their own personal achievements are, are, they're great and they're nice. And obviously it's a big part of building your career. But the, the real cool part is when you get to see the people you're developing achieve and grow and, and do great things and, and just how rewarding that can be. What were some of the challenges that you faced, uh, in, in the early days of your career, either as a rep or the early days as a manager?
0: When I was a new manager, probably the biggest thing I struggled with was just the idea of helping somebody really create success. I was my productivity was not very high compared to other offices and so I struggled with that for a while until I finally started reaching out to the top people in the company and I found out that people were genuinely willing to help out and answer any questions that I had no matter how many questions I had or what the questions were and Uh, By really trying to study that aspect of the business that I was struggling with, I continued to improve and improve and improve until uh, I started breaking records myself.
1: That's uh, outstanding. So it was the uh, reaching out to others that created a whole lot of impact. And I think that's a great resource we have.
0: Yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in the idea of I can figure it out. You know, I'll I'll figure it out on my own. But there's just no reason to do it that way when you could shorten a learning curve by talking to other successful people.
1: Yeah. And I've always told people, if you get in a habit of consistently reaching out and asking for input, asking for feedback, what's going well, you'll hear a lot of the same answers over and over again. But that we need that repetition in order for us to really internalize the ideas, in order for us to really buy in so that we do those things regularly.
0: So Sometimes somebody will just say it a little bit differently. It's the same material, it's packaged differently, and that's the one that clicks, resonates, and sends you out into the world to make it happen.
1: Yeah. That's where it triggers. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. What are some other lessons you feel like you've learned along your vector journey?
0: You know, I think about things that I was not particularly, you know, it's good to focus on your strengths, but I've also found that by spending time, certainly in our off seasons, focusing on the things that you want to improve upon, you know, that, that's been a big lesson for me. And, and I found there's two ways to do it. One is reaching out, which I already mentioned. Sometimes though, there are just certain things that I'm, I know I'm just not going to get as good as somebody else. So I would try to hire somebody that was good at those things, put them in a position where they could do those things for me, whether it was maybe they were more enthusiastic than I was, and they were able to really drive that aspect of the business when I'm more, more reserved. So I would hire people that were kind of strong in certain areas that I was not and put them in a position where they could lead. And I was able to coach them using my own style, but you have helping them with their strengths to really shine and, and, and make our business combined together as a partner, almost, uh, great.
1: Yeah. Has that been a key throughout the years in your, in your office is just having a staff that complemented your strengths and that, you know, had people who could bring some things that maybe you weren't, you know, you, you didn't bring
0: at, at the highest level, uh, to your team and to others. Even to this day, I'm trying to find people that are, excited and smarter than me uh, which that part's not that hard to find but that really have a passion for learning and if i could surround myself with enough people uh, like that i know that we can we can achieve success in our business it's interesting that you
1: r- reference yourself as you know not being enthusiastic or anything like that cuz uh, i think that we all display enthusiasm in different ways and and my Feel of you is that you do have enthusiasm that you display just differently than other people do. Maybe not outwardly. I also think you're one of the funniest guys I've ever met. You're hilarious. So you're you're and you're definitely really, really a, a fun person to interact with and
0: uh, and to be around or follow. Well, I tell a lot of jokes that sometimes it takes people a few minutes to get. So I don't get the immediate <laughs> laughter sometimes. So, so I, I, you know, I, I surround myself with people that first off laugh at my jokes and then secondly connect with people in a different way that I do.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Who do you feel are some of the key people that have impacted you along your journey?
0: That's a great question. I mean, obviously, the CEOs of our company have been great. What's unique about our company in that aspect is that the CEOs, they know me, they know my wife's name, they know my kid's names, they know my story. Uh, So Albie, Leonardo, Bruce Goodman, John Wellpley, they've always been very, very big and, and very helpful in my life. And then also... You know, my direct region managers, whether it was Tom Cannon years ago or Earl Kelly more recently, right now, uh, John Kane, who's like the right hand of our CEO, those people within our company uh, and all the DVMs. And I mean, it's, it's such a company where people want to share and help each other. It's, even in competition, it's not cutthroat. It's, hey, I want to do well, but let me help you do well too. And I think that's, that's one of the things that's unique about, about Vector.
1: I can remember, John, yeah. us competing, you and I, back yeah. in, you know, 01. Oh, two, oh, three, somewhere in there. And we talked occasionally, you know, and we would, you know, help each other with questions and things like that. And I can remember in 01, my office broke the all time company record. And then in 02, you raised the bar higher and broke the all time company record. And I, I just think it's cool that people who are competing at the highest level in a company can have that sort of dynamic where we are in a way rooting for each other to do well because it just helps elevate everyone else. Absolutely. So I I, and
0: I didn't, I, I didn't beat you by much, by the way. It was a narrow, narrow one the next year, but uh, it, we kind of went back and forth for a while there, you know, where it was almost like we were taking turns whipping on each other, but it, <laughs> you know, hanging out and trying to make the business better. Yeah, yeah. So I
1: interrupted you, though, in the midst of your uh, answer about uh, other key people.
0: Yeah, you know, when I think about key people in my life, I can't not mention my parents. And I feel very fortunate that my mom has been an integral part of really who I've become. She's so good at connecting with people, and she can just talk to anybody. She'll talk to strangers zero, off. And that's a, a, a trait that I got from her that I didn't get from my father. My father, on the other hand, though, has been so supportive over the years, except for when i told him i was going to quit that job that he got for me but uh after he got through that moment uh he's been very supportive and there was a time when i wasn't sure i wanted to continue working with with this company i would say that everybody goes through that no matter what job they have and i went through it here of course uh, he was a big part of talking me out of that. And he said, This company has been so good to you. You you love it there. What are you talking about? Like he couldn't even wrap his brain around the concept. And that was a mm. big part of me saying, you know, like, yeah, what am I thinking? <laughs> How about if I dig in and, and make it great again? So
1: Yeah, wow. It's interesting that your dad was one of the key people that helped influence you in that regard. Tell us about that time in your career. You you must have been feeling like you were struggling a little bit or and not at the top of your game? And what, what was it like that led to that conversation with your dad?
0: Well, I probably went through this twice in my career. Once as a, a young district manager before I got promoted. And it was actually our CEO, Aldi Leonardo, that took me out to dinner and reminded me that I was pretty good at this and gave me some coaching, some personal one-on-one coaching that that led me to a, a division manager promotion. And then the second time I was a division manager. And what had happened was I felt like my peers were passing me by. And when i reflect back on specifically how I, I got to that point i stopped taking control of my own personal growth i kind of figured like i had the business i figured it out i know how to do everything there's you know, there's no room for me to grow here there's and then once i got into this mode of not trying to improve myself not reaching out to people anymore i started seeing people just kind of pass me by in numbers and an attitude as a matter of fact you know it was kind of it was a conversation with Uh, My father, it was a conversation with a few key people in our company that I started to realize that I I could turn that around if I wanted to.
1: Hmm. What were the steps that led you to turning it around?
0: Well, once I decided to do it, once I made the decision to really make a change, I had to come up with something that I wanted. You know, everybody wants everything to change quickly. And I wanted things to change quickly. And I realized, or I thought at the time that I had to change who I was in order to turn things around. So I decided to read 50 books, uh, self-help, mentoring, leadership-style books uh, in a year, 50 books in a year. And uh, what was really neat about that, first off, I was a slow reader. Fortunately, one of the first books that I read had a, a little blurb on there on, on how to be a faster reader. So that really got me kind of going a little bit faster. Uh, and we fly a lot. So I got to read on airplanes. But what I found out in reading those books was that I had the wrong goal. You know, my goal should not have been to change who I was, but to find out who I was and become more of who I already was. Hmm. Once I understood that had to be my mission, I boarded. that's when I really started to grow and gobble up the books. And then the second thing was just sharing that with as many people as possible. It's one thing to read a lot, but if you don't share it, why are you even doing it?
1: Yeah. So as you're reading the books, you are offering up the lessons with a lot of your people at different meetings and events and that
0: helped you internalize the Absolutely. concepts and put them into yeah, action and it, and it was amazing that sometimes i would just be on a, a phone call with a, a manager that was struggling in some area and i'd be like oh i just read this in this book i got to share it with you and i would go and i'd grab the book and i would share it with them and you know and i was able to make changes in other people's lives just because i was working on me i was focused on but so first i'm like is this a little bit selfish to take all this time because while well, i would take my son to, to read 50 books in a year is you know, I felt like I stopped working, stopped being a dad, stopped being a, you know, a husband, stopped everything else that I had going on. So I still had to do all those things. So I was reading, you know, while my kid was practicing soccer and other parents were really into the soccer practice, I would watch the games. But if it was practice, I'd read to get through uh, this project that I had for myself. And it was really neat, the amount that I was able to impact other people. And I realized what I was doing was not selfish at all because of the number of people I was able to impact, I actually started to feel bad for people that had worked for me years ago because I realized that they didn't even get the best me that I could be. And here <laughs> I finally finally give it out, you know?
1: You know, that resonates with me really well, John, just the idea that I look back and I say that year or that stretch, was I really my best or, you know, did I give people my best? And I always felt like I tried hard. I always felt like I, you know, Brought the best I could to each day, but I think that this this whole idea about constantly learning and growing brings out the best in us is so powerful. And and I, I think that I can relate to the idea of going through periods where you know I wasn't doing that, and I, and I don't think I was able to to deliver on the promises to my people in the the best way possible. So it's it's yeah. just p- powerful that that's what. Tell me more about this idea that you learned that you had to become more of who you already were versus changing yourself. You know, tell tell me more about that. That was a theme
0: that just kept popping up in in several different books. And I think you you could read a book and a couple of years later, read it again and and get a lot of different information from it based on where you are in your life. For where I was in my life, I guess I needed to hear that because it kept popping up that was what I needed to focus on was becoming more of who are because we all have greatness inside of us. I mean, we we are engineered for success, period, at anything we want to do. Maybe not everything we want to do, but certainly when we're focused and passionate about one thing and, and kind of as you were describing earlier, I felt like I was trying as hard as I could. So that just led to more and more frustration. And, and I think that's when people start to feel kind of burned out. They use the word I'm burned out. And I don't love the phrase burned out. I get what people mean when they say it, but I think sometimes they use it as a crutch instead of as a launching pad to figure it out. And whenever I hear somebody say I'm burned out, I challenge them to say, okay, do you want to continue to feel that way? Or is there a different way you'd like to feel? And if you can get people thinking about how they want to feel, that's what I had to do for myself. was think about how do I want to feel? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Uh, and how do I want to feel? And once I got my feelings in check, it was a lot easier to not feel burned out because who wants to feel that way, right?
1: That's a powerful insight. Just getting people to think about how do you want to feel uh, in those moments of burnout. So I feel like burned out is an excuse a lot of times, and it, it's the thing people put in their mind uh, to justify mediocrity or you know when they're just not performing up to the level they should be, and they say, well, I'm burned out. You know that's why I'm not you know on my A game or doing my best like redirecting people's thinking to how do they want to feel and what would lead them into that direction uh is a is a good answer and and I know that you know just the the concept is simple as reading books I know that when I'm reading or I'm listening to audios or I'm learning something I feel more inspired I feel more energized I feel you know a lot more enthusiastic about uh my days you know the a natural byproduct of that is that we do better at, at uh, you know all of our day-to-day interactions so
0: yeah. Okay. Plus, you have so much more to share with, with other people. You feel like you have more to offer as a leader. And I guess you always know that you have stuff to offer if you've been doing it long enough. But if it's not fresh, if it's not new, you know, the other thing I did was I rewrote all my talks. I'd kind of been regurgitating the same material for years. And I just made the decision that I was going all new all year. And that made it exciting for me, but it made it so exciting for the people I was around too.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Well, you've been such an amazing developer of people in the business. I know that uh, you've developed something like five division managers in the business, numerous mm-hmm. champions at every level of the business, and you're looked upon as you know one of the all-time great achievers in the history of this company. Right up in the stratosphere of uh, you know the very top achievers ever. What are some of the qualities or traits that you strive to instill uh in the people that you're working with now
0: probably the biggest key in in my opinion is is really the relationship building and we all know the old saying they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care but that's got to be lived daily with your people Um, and i try to get them to do that with their people if you know the concept i think that john maxwell says that a great leader knows within the hearts and minds of their people and if i ever catch myself. Wondering, I wonder how that person's feeling right now, then I know I need to get a call with that person. And, and I'm trying to instill that in my people as well, that, that if they can think in those lines, they're going to build great long-lasting relationships that really last a lifetime. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing.
1: That's a powerful one. Just the idea that a great leader knows what's in the minds and hearts of his people and, and, and of her, or her people and, and, uh, the idea of relationship building. What about some of the, the other personal characteristics that you try to help people to develop or bring out in themselves?
0: Uh, one of the things that I don't know if you would consider it a personal characteristic, but something I've been working on with my team for, for this year, uh, is I have a lot of younger, newer, First time managers is is the idea of taking some time each week, or and they can do it monthly and and quarterly, or however you want to look at it, but to analyze their business, put together an action plan, and then execute. So we call it APE, APE, analyze, plan, execute. And I start sending them, you know, there's an APE emoji every once in a while. I send that out to remind them that they've got to analyze, plan execute analyze plan execute and I, I found if you say something enough it finally gets ingrained into their brains where they start to do it on their own and they start sending you the plan hey i was looking at my numbers this is something i can do differently here's my plan now the other thing i gotta work on is making sure they execute because it's great to put a plan on paper but if you don't do anything about it then you don't get anywhere but that's been yeah. a really big us. indeed
1: i love that ape Analyze, plan, and execute. John, I can assure you that there are going to be vector managers all across the country You know, a month or two from now, sending ape emojis out. So, great. But,
0: uh, <laughs> I can't, that, I that can't one, wait to receive my first ape. <laughs>
1: that, that one is going to catch on for sure. Analyze, plan, and execute. I, I feel like every great division manager in the company is adept at making sure their people do exactly what you just said. You know, all of our district managers are typically young entrepreneurs and many of them running a business for the first time. And, uh, in a lot of cases, they don't, they don't know like some of the most basic things. They just sold a lot of cut and they're, you know, good at teaching people, maybe as an assistant manager and they have a good personality. And we felt like they could be a good leader. We give them an opportunity, right? But there's so much development that has to happen. And this is part of why I think some, many managers struggle at some point during their first year or second year as they're kind of growing up. Uh, in the business, is there's just so many things they have to learn that they didn't even know they didn't know when they opened their office. And a great division manager has the wisdom and the depth to be able to help people to develop that the tool of analyzing on a regular basis and then planning and then executing on the things that they know to do. And yeah, that that third part is certainly is a is a big one that you know not everybody does. You know, doing what they already know to do. So, yeah, so I like
0: a lot, that. a lot of books written just on execution alone. Because sometimes it's the hardest part, you know, it's, it's great to put a analyze and plan, but if you can, if you can master making yourself execute, even when you don't feel like it, you're going to start feeling like it. It's kind of yeah. like acting your way into feeling. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your latest book, John. Uh, it's called Deciding to Thrive. I know it's been out for a few years now. What are some of the key tenets or principles uh, in the book that you would like people to, to hear or learn about?
0: Well, probably the, the whole purpose of me putting the book together was, well, aside from leaving a legacy for my kids, but, uh, you know, I went through that time that we talked about where I was struggling and I wasn't just struggling in business. I was struggling personally, emotionally, uh, family stuff, you know, all these different areas of, of life kind of coming at me and, uh, and not feeling like I was complete. And it's, it's, the book is about how I got out of that, made the decision and how any one of us in a moment, can make a decision, put together a plan, execute that plan, and design the life that they want to have. And because of that, I became a better husband, a better parent, uh, better in business. We went from last in our region to top in the country, where I was able to take on a second division. And it, it, the book is about the pathway to to make that happen. And I always tell people, you don't have to read fifty books in a year to do it. I mean, most people don't read one. So if you read. Six, you probably would be or listen to the audios or eat podcasts like this i mean all these things make a difference as long as you're you're sharing them with with other people and they don't have to be people you're in business with they can be family they could be i mean i took on some uh community work with our uh, local charity called the children's dyslexia center which by the way 100 percent of the proceeds from both books that i've written has all gone to the children's dyslexia centers of allentown and Philadelphia here in Pennsylvania yeah. so what better way to help a a kid who's learning how to read them by donating the money from a book that you wrote.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Tell us more about uh, what's in the book and, and what people could learn by, by studying your story or, or learning from your nuggets.
0: Yeah. I try to package it in a way that when people read it, they would be able to say, "Okay, I can relate and I can do this because we've all had a point in our life when we were stuck and we just needed to figure out uh, a way to, to get out of it and you know, For me, there was a realization one hot summer day where we were at the pool and one of my nieces was trying to get all the boys in the pool to, to make these waves. And she's like, come on, boys, let's make waves. And they were having such a great time. And I realized that that's kind of missing from my life a little bit, this idea of making waves. And so I said, what, what can I do to, to have more fun? And So one of the concepts I talk about in the book is the idea of, hey, I bet I can make you smile. And it's just a little game that I play. Uh, you know, I don't say it out loud, but I think it. I wonder if I can make that person crack a smile. <laughs> so I could be, I could be at the grocery store, uh, and uh, you know, at the grocery store clerk. Maybe they're not smiling, and I just think, oh, I thought I could get them to smile. And I'll just say, I don't know what, but I'll come up with something. And it's like my challenge to try to make people smile when I'm around them when I talk to them. And one of the keys to being around a long time is if, if people are excited to see you, you're going to want to be around for a long time. So I think that's. That's a fun way to go about life. That's one of the concepts that I, I like talking about.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Just uh, the idea of how we impact people, I think, is so powerful. And, and I do think there's a ripple effect that goes on that when you make that grocery store clerk smile, it just might affect somebody else that affects somebody else that affects somebody else. And it, it, the overall impact is powerful of uh, our vibe and our energy and, and what we bring on a daily basis. You've got the 50 books in here. And we'll put the list in the show notes, by the way. So if anybody wants to see the actual 50 books that John chose to read that year, they're in here. Do any stand out to this day? I mean, I know this was years ago. Do any of the the books stand out to this day
0: that uh, really impacted you the most? Yeah, for sure. And and as you look at the list, I starred, I think, my top 10 favorite, I believe, in the list as well. But you know, I think about the four-hour work week was kind of a funny first. That was the first one I read. It kind of gives you an inside look at where my head was at at the time if i was thinking about trying to shrink the whole work week down to four hours you know? <laughs> but when you dig into the book a little bit that's not really what it's about all right? right that's not really what it's about but that's where i got the speed reading tips and just really some of the ideas on delegating a little bit better than i had been delegating probably the most powerful book i read was a book called mindset by carol dweck, carol dweck. She's an professor yeah and that and a lot of the books that i ended up reading I saw them mentioned in several other books, and that's one that is probably the most mentioned book out of all self-help style books that I've ever read. It, it's great if you want to be a better parent. It's great if you want to be better in business. Another great book was You Already Know How to Be Great by Alan Fine. And that's probably the best coaching book that I've ever read. So if you want to learn to get better at mentoring or coaching other people, it's really about how to bring out the best in others. And I do a lot of coaching calls using the, the methods in that book. Uh, that I think are really powerful as well. Those the three that just jump out at me, but there are several others, but that, that that would get anybody started.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I know that when I heard you talk about this, I was intimidated by the idea of reading 50 books in a year, but I just committed to myself that I'm going to at least read one book a month. I'm going to at least read 12 books a year. And I can honestly say that before this time, I probably went through a number of years where I, I don't think I read at least 12 books every year. I, I think I let my personal development game atrophy a little bit, and you inspired me to make sure that I got back on it. And I know that I've read at least 12 books per year since then, probably 16 or Great. 20 books a year since then. And, and I just got to tell you, one of my favorite ones that came out of your list was a book called Shit My Dad
0: Says by Justin Halpern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that, that one? Book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he was tweeting, you know, Shit My Dad Says. And then he finally put it in a book, and it is hilarious.
1: It's one of those books that I think it, you read in an airplane, and you're like, you're bursting out laughing in the middle of the airplane. And literally, oh, yeah. pe- people are like looking over, like, what are you doing? What are you reading? <laughs> but it, it's burst out loud laughing funny. So if anybody, if anybody needs help, like getting interested in reading again, like pick up that one and you you won't be able to put it down and you'll enjoy it
0: so much. You'll probably be on to the next after that. I'll get two quick tips on, on reading. Uh, it's okay by you, but I don't think anybody should, well, by the way, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, I took the 50 book challenge and I'm going to do it, which is great. And I've had lots of people do it and it's, it's definitely a worthwhile endeavor, but I tell people if you read six or 12, you'd be ahead of most people and you'd really feel like you were growing. And for me to get through 50, it was 15 minutes every morning. It was an hour every night. And then I would finish the book over the weekend. That was my goal. And I got done in 49 weeks. I read the 50th book. And then the other thing is, if you're not reading a fiction book, the fiction book, you probably have to read every chapter because you're going to miss something important. But if it's a self-help style book or book on motivation or uh, coaching or something along those lines, every book, except for the two I wrote uh, and, and maybe the Bible, has a chapter that's just not worth reading. So just skip it and go to the next one. Like if you get to that point where you're stuck on the book and you don't even want to pick it up again, just skip that chapter, go to the next one, and it's okay to do that. I I committed to reading every book cover to cover that year because I wanted to really say that I actually did it, but I don't do that anymore. I don't read any book cover to cover. I'll skip a chapter if I'm not into it.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that you can even read a lot of the books out of order. If they have a table of contents, you can kind of scan down it and see like what catches your eye and start in the middle you know, and get hooked on it and then maybe go back and go back to the beginning. But, uh, or you may never go back to the beginning. You may just uh, jump around. So I think that is okay with a lot of self-help books also. So cool. How about uh, your first book? No shorts, flip-flops, or sunglasses, how to get and make the most out of your first real job. Uh, Anything you want to say about this one?
0: Yeah, it's a great book for anybody just graduating high school or college or even somebody just getting started in vector. But it'll really walk you through the things that you need to be looking for when it comes to work when it comes to building your resume i think a lot of people just don't know how to build the resume and the title what, the reason why we use that title is vector marketing and cuckoo we're probably one of the only companies on earth that would allow somebody to walk into their office wearing shorts flip-flops sunglasses really not dressed for a professional interview and still give them a shot because we know that we're going to teach them how to succeed in life we'll, we'll teach them the things That they haven't been taught yet. We'll pick up where whomever left off and we'll get them to cross that threshold. There's a lot of networking stuff in there too and resume workshop type stuff too.
1: Yeah, uh, there is a quote in there that really resonated with me about networking that uh, literally has been a life changing concept. And it's the, your quote is uh, networking is not about what others can do for you, it's about what you can do for others. And that quote, really just got me thinking about how can I add value to as many people in my network as possible? How can I give of my resources, give of my time, give of myself without expecting anything in return? Knowing that when you do that consistently for a long period of time, there will be many returns that will come back your way, but giving for the sake of uh, building relationships. So that was really powerful.
0: Yeah. And on top of that, you know, when, while you're doing that, because you're going to get to a point where the conversation's slowly coming to an end. And if it's somebody you really want to network with, my favorite question uh, that I think catches people off guard a little bit, but they love the question is, what can I do to help your business grow? And if you've really been listening and really trying to do the relationship building, it could be a little bit more specific. Like if they're in, I don't know if they sell light bulbs, what can I do to help your light bulb business grow? And most people will take a step back and say, huh, uh, let me think about that. Sometimes they'll have an answer. Maybe they'll want you to speak. Maybe they'll want you to set up a follow-up, get coffee, uh, whatever the case may be. Sometimes, most of the time, they don't really know, but they're so appreciative that you ask. It's an opportunity for you guys to exchange cards. I think that's, uh, that's been probably the most powerful question that I've, I've learned to ask when networking with somebody.
1: Yeah, that's a great one, John. I like it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, this uh this podcast is about changing lives and you know as you look forward into the years ahead, how do you aspire to change people's lives through your work or through your
0: influence? Wow, that's a great question. I would say one of the things I talk about in Designed to Thrive is that the past is not your fault, but the future is in your hands. And I think if people could You know, embrace their upbringing or where they're from or whatever the case may be and and kind of put the past in the past, but realize that the future is totally in their hands. And we have the power in any moment of decision to get on the path of of greatness. Every person listening to us, listening to this podcast has their own form of genius. And I think we need to really try to figure out what that is and, and run with it. And then the second thing I would say Uh, can be summed up in three words and that's leave it better. If we can make it a mission to leave it better wherever we go. For example, you know, my, my son loves to go fishing. My daughter's kind of into it, but not as much, but she loves to go because she she can hang out with us. And when we take the kids fishing, we'll, you know, go to our favorite fishing hole or go to the favorite wherever. And, And there's always some trash on the ground. And I talk about leaving it better. And so we pick up the trash and we throw it out. And they see me do this. I'll be in a parking lot somewhere. We're going into a restaurant and I'll see a piece of trash in the ground and I'll pick it up. It's better than stepping over it. But I'm trying to to show them that you don't have to use millions of dollars to leave something better. I mean, you can leave leave it better by example. Another way we're, we've we been leaving it better as a family is by donating. Uh, and it's not always money. It's a, been donating a lot of time to certain charities, actually quite a few different ones in our area. And I think that when people, when your kids especially see you donating, when the people on your team see you donating time, energy, effort, uh, they see you picking up that piece of trash. They see you, even in my office, you know, little things I'll do that you wouldn't expect the owner to do. But I, I think if Howard Schultz walked into a Starbucks and he saw, you know, a table that wasn't clean, he'd clean it. I think mm-hmm. he would clean it. So you know, you know, that, I think that's that's the concept that I would love for people to really uh, embrace. I think it would move the whole world in a better place.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's so powerful. I had an interview with Andrew Bosworth, who's one of the top executives at Facebook. And I was asking him about Sheryl Sandberg, you know, who's the COO, very famous, could be considered the most powerful woman in America or one of them. And he said, uh, something about her. He said, you know, she says nothing at Facebook is somebody else's problem. And that, um, Everything that you notice, like it has to be fixed, it has to be you know taken care of right away, and then you notice that it should be improved, should be improved and and I think that if people look at the world that way and realize that you know issues in the world are not someone else's problem, that, that we're all here to improve our environments, our circles you know everywhere we go, and leave them better. If everybody does that it's like the the value that is out there for people to have just multiplies exponentially, and we all you know have a better experience of life so I think that's an awesome. Awesome lesson.
0: It feel a little selfish too, because you do feel better when you're doing things like that for other people that can't possibly repay you.
1: <laughs> Indeed, and uh, it, it does uh, does make you feel good, and, and that, that's that's part of I think the upward spiral that you put yourself into when you uh, have that approach on a day to day basis. So, uh, right John, this has been uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. You know, having worked with you for many years, I found you always to be a, a real genuine leader someone who i feel like has a extremely high level of respect from all others around you i think anyone who knows you would say that and when i think this uh, about this concept of leave it better i'm sure that all the people that have come across you over your career are better for it and uh, your impact has been felt far outside of the northeast region uh, throughout this entire company. and you know The ripple effect of your leadership is going to go on forever. So really want to acknowledge you for all the awesome work you've done and, and say thanks once again uh, for joining and imparting your wisdom on our audience here today.
0: I really appreciate it, Dan. And I want to tell you, the feeling is absolutely mutual. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, but uh, 100%. So, but thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank awesome, you. John. Awesome. John Wasserman, ladies and gentlemen, you can see why he is one of the most respected leaders in the entire Vector Marketing Cutco organization. I love where John said that in, in any moment, you can make a decision uh, that will change your life and lead you in a positive direction. That there doesn't have to be some big event that happens in your life to get you to make that decision Some of you listening could make that decision today that you are going to move your life, move your business in the kind of direction that you want to move it in. And taking control of your personal growth being one of the keys to that. The idea of reading, of course, listening to podcasts. We hope that you listen to all of these. Something as simple as the business analysis idea, APE, analyze, plan, execute. Are you doing that regularly? Networking right? And beginning to build a powerful group of others that can help you. John posed the question about, you know, what you can do to help others. And and I find if you ask it, what might I do to be able to help your business? What might I do to be able to help you? If you ask what might, people tend to be more forthcoming with ideas or answers to that question. I love where John said, your past is not your fault, but your future is in your hands. A powerful concept. And as you venture off into the rest of your day, in honor of John Wasserman, I challenge you to leave it better everywhere you go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our
0: next story about changing lives.